0: started uh, with gummy bears. I was five years old, and I saw a hundred dollar bill on my mom's uh, desk,
1: and I knew
0: that gummy bears cost one dollar, because it was on the back. So I took I took the hundred dollars, and I was like, that's a lot of gummy bears, you know. I never got those gummy bears. I did get a spanking instead, and of course, you know, my mom knew that I was... I'd, I was her only child capable of stealing. You know. Uh, a little bit later, my someone asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I told them, I want to be a toll booth worker. Because people drive by and hand you money all day long. I'm like, that sounds like a great job. I don't know how you get that job. Uh, I ended up not doing that. Um, I ended up working as a financial planner for about three years at a company called CapTrust. It's in northern Raleigh. Um, So I was up in North Carolina. Ended up uh, going back to grad school. So went and did a master's in business. And then I ended up here in Atlanta. So my wife and I moved here last July. I work as a a management consultant for HD Supply, which is kind of like Home Depot for businesses. So now Ashley's going to... She's going to share her story.
2: Yeah. So uh, my my journey also starts at childhood. Um, with my main memory growing up, I was fortunate I had two working professional parents, but I remember every other Sunday my mom would go in her office, which she coined the dungeon, and she would always come out crying. And I'd be like, Mom, what's going on? What, why are you crying? And she'd say, oh, Mom is just paying the bills, baby. And so I was like, I don't know what these bills are, but I definitely <laughs> don't want anything to do with them so they making my mom cry. So that was kind of the, the first start of it and then um, started working and then my first Christmas as a professional came around um, and I had no money. My parents did teach me not to get a credit card, so that was good, but I had no money to buy a Christmas presents. so I had to borrow a loan from my sister and pay it back the next year just to be able to, to pay um, for some of the Christmas presents. So I learned very quickly that I had to start saving, figure out exactly what I needed to do so I could cover some of my expenses. Um, I then started doing financial peace for anybody who's not familiar. This is Dave Ramsey's. All right, so financial peace advocate. All right, come on. Um, this is Dave Ramsey's program. The premise really being that it's a cash basis method. So you figure out your budget, you put um, cash in each of your envelopes, and you, if you spend all your envelope, you either have to take it from another one or you just got to figure it out. So that was really, really good for me. I learned. Uh, how much things cost. I learned how to meal prep. I learned how to look through the Publix weekly ad and figure out what was buy one get one free um, for the week. And so I I learned a lot about how to to budget my money that way. Um, And now I work at PricewaterhouseCoopers. It's an accounting firm. Um, I actually work with people who live overseas, helping them with their taxes. So not exactly in the financial planning field, but it's something I'm very passionate about. I think that um, financial management, your money management, is a spiritual discipline. I think it's very important. Um, and I think through the years, I've learned it's just a stewardship principle. I mean, God gives us so much, and so it's really about being a good steward of those funds and uh, being intentional with where it goes. And so hopefully we can uh, help with, you know, the, the good class. I'm sure everybody's super excited about mm-hmm. um, Dave Ramsey 101, but hopefully we can help you out.
0: Yeah. Thanks. That was awesome. So out of curiosity, uh, how many of us became Christians during or before college? Just curious. So like myself included, definitely. So I think a lot of us, right? And when you are before college or in college, you don't have a lot of money, right? You, you have less than you probably have now. Um, and it, it, it's occurred to me kind of in my last about 10 years or so as a Christian, the more I read about what Jesus talked about money, and how he viewed it to him it was a salvation issue and yet i think a lot of us and you know maybe there's nothing necessarily wrong with this but i just think our a lot of our ministries we don't focus on that from a young age so um there's a couple parables i think are really impactful but i want to just start out by saying you know did we actually count this cost when we became christians you know when we became Christians, did we talk about money? I know that it, for me, in my you know, studies and stuff, we maybe talked about tithing really briefly, but we, we didn't really go into money, right? But for Jesus, the people he converted, think about this for a second. Uh, the apostles gave up careers and their income. Peter gave up a financial windfall, the great catch of fish, Zacchaeus gave back what he had cheated and more. The rich young ruler could not give up his possessions. And Jesus told the crowds in Luke 14, So then, none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. I think for a long time, when I would read passages like this, I would think like, well, you know, I'm not sure. Is that really what Jesus meant? And I I think sometimes we can kind of think this way, and I I heard someone say once that the people who think this way are the exact type of people Jesus would say that to. I was like, whoa, you know, it's like, okay. Um, So we're going to, today we're going to go into a lot of the practicals and how to manage your money, how to set priorities, and hopefully you'll gain a lot from that. But I think it is crucial that we first talk about the heart of money management. Jesus's heart about money what why did he talk about it so much so we're going to turn to Luke 12 that's what we're going to read we're going to read a story that Jesus told so in Luke 12 it's uh it's up on the screen too if you want to if, if you don't want to but that's fine so in Luke 12 someone in the crowd said to him teacher Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? (coughs) Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. He began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I will say, I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be married. And be merry. Some of us be married too, and I want that. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now, who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're so grateful for you and your word. pray that you will speak powerfully through the scriptures, through uh, just the wisdom that you've passed down uh, and given to us, God. I pray that we get to the heart of the matter. Help us see what you want us to see speak through the scriptures today. Amen. Amen. So there's, uh, you know, I think a lot of us maybe have read this story before. Right? And when I've read this story before, I think, well, yeah, of course this guy was greedy. You know? <laughs> he's, he's only focused on himself, and he's not rich towards God. So me, well, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple, so as long as I'm doing that, then I'm good. You know? Then maybe this doesn't necessarily apply to me. And I think that that's not really what this parable is about. There's really two things that jump out to me from this parable that we'll talk about. The first is that Jesus has a very harsh response to this guy's question. I don't know if it seems un-Jesus-like to you or not, but uh, he's like, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Jesus says, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator above you? And then he says, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of possessions. It's a pretty animated response from Jesus. And it makes you think, well, what's going on here? You know, what uh, Jesus says here life does not consist of possessions, even when you have a lot. So that begs the question. What does life consist of? I mean, think that's, that's actually what I think is the first point that Jesus makes. And we can, we can know a little bit about this man asking for a, a ruling um, from, from Jewish culture and from uh, kind of the laws at the time. So he's asking for a legal ruling from a rabbi, which was allowed, and which would have been binding. This implies that the father or the parents that passed away didn't have a will, that he was the younger brother wanting to make a a negotiation with his older brother, who would have had the right to basically divide the the family inheritance as he saw fit. But they had to come to an agreement, and he could not come to an agreement. So do you think he's got a great relationship with his older brother? Like, how do you think that is going, you know, right now? And I think, so then Jesus tells this parable about a guy, who's got all this money. He's got all these things going on, but you'll notice when he's making a big decision, who does he have to talk to it, to talk to about it? Who does he have to share his wealth with? He has no. He's isolated and lonely. Um, the Jews would make every decision with getting a lot of input. That was just a cultural thing. So this guy's saying to himself, he's only got himself to talk to. And Jesus is pointing out that if you, are, if you continue down this road of obsession, of nitpicking every dime and nickel with your brother, that relationship is going to be broken. And you're going to be just like this man who's wealthy but isolated and, and alone. And a fool, that's what... That's what Jesus calls him. Jesus is a mender of relationships. I think he refuses to give a judgment because he does not want this relationship to be broken. Yeah. Money, if it's your master, will isolate you. It will control you. It wants everything, you know. When I was a financial planner, I mean, I saw this time and time again, meeting with a divorced person in their 50s who is just, you know, several, you know, $100,000 in their account and just super consumed by the pennies that it would go up and down every day. Asking me, like, what's wrong with my account? I'm like, well, it just goes up and down. Um, (laughs) If money is your master, it will separate you. It will isolate you. And Jesus is not about that. And so Jesus makes this point that this money is not as important as relationships, your relationship with your brother. And I think that relationships and money are actually related. We see uh, several scriptures talk about this. In Luke 16, Jesus says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, talking about money there, so that when it fails, they will receive you into eternal dwellings. If you're familiar with this story, nobody really knows what it means. That's my theological uh, opinion. Nobody really knows what it's saying. But there is this point about the the guy is shrewd, and he uses money to build these relationships. 2 Corinthians 9 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. God wants people who are generous, right? Romans 12, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Mm -hmm. And lastly, 1 Timothy 6 says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be a... to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. So we see this theme that money is a tool, can be used in any way. But is it your tool or are you the tool of it, right? That's the key that Jesus is getting at here is if, if we master our money, then we can use it to impact the kingdom, to impact our relationships, to impact the poor. We can do so much with it, but not if it rules over us. And so that's really the heart of what I think a lot of the scriptures are talking about. And when you see, especially in the First Timothy 6 passage, you see him talk to people who are wealthy there. Tell them to be rich in good works and to be generous right? That's, that's the goal. That's the goal of, you know, having all this stuff is to be able to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share. So that's thing one. Use your money to love, to build relationships. That is what life consists of. The Second thing that jumps out is, uh, is who owns my stuff? <laughs> and so this uh, parable, it's pretty funny, right? The first thing that happens is the rich man's land was very productive. That's how Jesus starts the parable. That word very could, could be translated unusually productive. So Jesus, from the get-go, is pointing out that this, everything this guy's got is from God. And God orchestrates a windfall, right? This guy was a farmer. He orchestrates an unusually bountiful crop, and the guy... Uses it for himself, right? And then you see all these, these eyes and me. My barns. You know, I will tear down my barns. Build more. And it's, it's I. It's my and I. You see that repeated over and over and over again. And Jesus is like, you're a fool. You don't see that God is really the owner of everything. You know, where it says, um, this very night, your life is required of you. That, uh, that's an interesting phrase, and in this con- in the Greek, that would have been the same phrase as a banker who lent you money saying, hey, you, you got to pay back what you borrowed. And so think about that, like if any of us have student loans, which I do, uh, or like a mortgage, what if your, your bank mortgage came to you one day and just said, hey, OK, you got to pay, pay it all back today. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, all right, you know. But you'll see, he doesn't say your stuff. He says, your soul is required of you this very night. And his point is that you don't own your stuff. You don't even own your own life. That is a loan that God has given you. So what are you going to do with what God has given you? And it, it encompasses everything not just about stuff. But that then begs the question, not what do I want to do with my stuff. What does God want me to do with what is His? And that that gets to the heart of what this parable is about. It's about ownership. God owns everything in my life. What? Then the question is, what does God want me to do with that? You know, I think the Pharisees had this mindset, it's like, well, I gave my 10%. I tithed on my herbs and my livestock. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you neglected the poor. And you, you didn't love mercy or justice or righteousness. You didn't do what was right. And I think a lot of times we can think very similarly. We tithe our whatever percent. But then we live like the world with the other 90, or whatever it is. Is your budget 90% worldly? You know, does it look just like everyone else? Yeah, I think I think it's so easy to want the Christian American dream, right? Where we're just, it's just, uh, it's just slightly less nice cars than our coworkers. Slightly less nice houses than than our our teammates, right? But it's still chasing after everything the world values. If Jesus lived on your income, what would he spend it on? Well, I think we kind of balked at that question. We're like, well, Jesus lived a long time ago, okay? So, you know, who knows, right? But I think if we're really honest, I mean, if Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal... Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroyed, where thieves do not break in and, and seal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and love the other. Jesus and God, they talked the talk and they walked the walk. I mean, they... God gave his son. Jesus lived, you know, a life of outpouring (coughs) towards other people. I mean, that, is that what we do with our resources, with our lives, with what God has given us? That's what I think the heart of this story is really about. Mm -hmm. It's really about a guy who, he's isolated, he's alone, because his money is his master. And so his life is all about him. And Jesus is like, you're a fool. Because you've missed what life is really about. Yeah. It's really about relationships. I don't mean to imply that if you don't, if you're not wealthy, you can't build relationships. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that once we get our hands around how to control our resources, how to control what God's given us, we're gonna live, we're gonna take hold of life, that which is life indeed. That's what God wants for us. That's what Jesus how he wants us to manage our money. So there's two things, you know, that I think this parable says. One is that life is about relationship. Jesus is a mender of relationships. He's all about relationship. And secondly, who owns my stuff? God owns my stuff, my life. What does he want me to do with it? So we're, we're, we're going to talk a lot more now, um, and Ashley going to lead us in some discussion about what are some financial priorities that God sets? What are some of the principles we can see in the Bible, and what does that have to do with me? How can we make this practical? So we're going to get into this. We're going to leave some time for questions as well at the end, so feel free to be you know, thinking about that. But the core of it all is stewardship, ownership and being able to be free to be generous, rich in good deeds. Amen.
2: Thanks, Mike. Um, always very convicting. So again, the the two big points, I mean, it's about relationships and that it's not our own. I mean, our money isn't everything that we have came from God, and it's really our stewardship that's going to be where we're disciplined with giving it back, giving it to others. Um, and a couple more um, scriptures I want to bring up. I mean, Everybody knows there's tons of scriptures about money in the Bible, and so Proverbs is probably one of the, the main books that has a lot about it. And so some of the ones that we, we pulled out as we start moving into more of the practical side, um, I'll just read through them really quick, are, are Proverbs 21.5, 20, which says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Another one, Proverbs 13, 7, there is one who pretends to be rich but has nothing, another pretends to be poor but has great wealth. Um, Which, side note, I don't know if anybody saw this article, I think it was last week, about um, there was a social worker who passed away and ended up giving $10 million to charity. So talk about somebody who pretends or appears to be poor but actually was saving up for a greater good and giving back to charity. So a lot of the practicals that we're talking about today, living that life of freedom now or being... Intentional with where our funds are now so that we can give like nobody else can Proverbs twenty one twenty six says all day long he craves and craves but the righteous gives and does not hold back I think this is very convicting in our world where we do crave a lot. We crave yeah. things. We crave stuff. We crave images um, But the righteous gives that's what we should be known for we should be known as a, a generous group of, of people We should be known by by how much we're giving to others Proverbs 24, Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look back but find nothing. Um, This one was used in Stop the Weirdness, also applicable to finances. Um, Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. And then the last one, Proverbs 24, 27, prepare your work outside and make it ready for yourself in the field. Afterwards, then build your house. Um, And that one I think is really helpful, especially as we move into the next section, knowing that um, there is wisdom in how to move forward with your finances. It's not. Um, it can be overwhelming. There's a lot of, of stuff to talk about, and we're going to try and do Dave Ramsey 101 in 20 minutes, and so it's going to be a lot that we go through. Um, you know, but it is. It's just good to have a plan. If there's one thing to leave with, it's that we're stewards of what God has given us, and so being intentional with that, being intentional with what we want to do with it, with God, what God has given us. Um, So wisdom literature can really kind of be broken down, or how we'll we'll break it down, is in three buckets. Living below your means, saving and investing, and then budgeting. And again, with the main premise being that you can live like no one else now, so that you can give like no one else in the future. Um, And this is, uh, Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else, so you can live like no one else later. um, But Mike changed it to give like no one else, which I love. I think that's great.
1: Because it is.
2: It's about our generosity. It's about um, giving back to others. Okay, so one of the main questions that we oftentimes get, um, or just when you're talking about finances, or what are the priorities? I mean, where do you even begin? Um, So I've listed some of the priorities that I think are important. Um, You know, Mike's might be a little bit different, Dave Ramsey's might be a little bit different, but you know, when we're talking about where do we want to, to look at our finances, I feel like your number one priority should always be tithing. Um, Second should be saving up an emergency, emergency fund. So that's a short-term, if you have a big expense, making sure that you can cover it. And we'll go in these in more detail here in a minute. Um, Number three, getting out of bad debt. Credit cards, y'all, horrible. I mean, the interest rate on those, how much you're paying, if there's one thing outside of if you're not tithing now, like getting used to giving back to God, but stopping using credit cards, I mean, that's going to be so important. Um, I say the next three are tithes because I think they're all kind of priorities depending on your situation, but saving for the future, so retirement, making sure you have an emergency fund, so three to six months of expenses saved, um, and then getting out of good debt. So those your student loans, mortgages, car loans. Um, next, outside investments, annuities, if you want to continue to invest um, in, in other assets. And then I think ongoing, we should always be generous. Um, there's wisdom there when you are able to you know, really put your priorities in the right place and be intentional with these, the generosity that you can give, you have the freedom to be even more generous than you could have been otherwise. So we'll go through these in order. And again, any questions, very interactive. We will have questions at the end, but feel free to jump in if you're like, wait a second, I don't understand, or can you explain that further? Um, So tithing, I, I feel like if you've been around the church some, I mean, I know we don't talk about it a ton, Early on but but generally I think everybody understands the premise of tithing Um, my scripture that I rely on for this is Deuteronomy 818 which just says remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today God gave us the ability to produce wealth God gives us everything we have I mean I think about it from the farmer perspective I mean we can go out plow the field But God's the one who brings rain. He's the one who brings the harvest. So everything that we have, absolutely everything is God's. It's really kind of him to let us keep 90% of it, 80% of it, 70% of it. So what's giving back 10, you know, 20? Sorry, I'm going to try not to be a heavy breather. um, So, yeah, so tithing, really essential. Um. Oops, sorry, I didn't insert the savings document. So in the packet, at the end of the row, I put some sheets there. Hopefully there's enough if you know, I try to put them at the end of the aisle. The very last sheet, and I'm sorry, I made this like two days ago. It's my really rough handwriting, but. <laughs> savings, emergency fund. Really, everybody again should have a short-term emergency fund that you can just have somewhere close by. Um, I put this in here, I really am the type of person, I love checking off boxes, I love coloring in things, so when I first started my savings account, I put this in a shoe box and then every now and then if I had an extra $5, I'd throw it in the box and mark that little $5 off. And so the goal was to, okay, I'm going to complete this sheet in a year. I'm going to have 500 saved up in a year, or maybe your goal is six months. And then when you finish that $500, you put another one in and you fill this out again. So I think just finding ways that work for you to be able to save, um, put money in, that would be really helpful. But emergency fund, that's just going to be good if you have a big expense that comes up quickly, I mean, or, you know, unexpectedly. We all have things. um, I got a ticket the other day for talking on my cell phone, Georgia has this law where You know, it's like hands-free. I know, I know. (laughs) I asked for one of those things for Christmas that you like put your phone in. I actually need to put it in my car, so this is probably I shouldn't say this in front of everybody. But I got a ticket. (laughs) So things like that. I mean, you never know when unexpected expenses come up. So making sure to have that emergency fund that you can go to right away, that you don't have to go to those credit cards, um, and that you can use funds that you have saved up. Which leads me to priority number three, which I would say, again, get out of bad debt, um, of which credit cards are it. So in 2017, the average APR, or annual percentage rate, was 15.964 credit cards. Honestly, a lot of times they're closer to 22%. Um, I mean, they're very, very high. So if you're looking at somebody that has a balance of $7,800 and a 15% interest rate, and you pay 3% a month, which I think is a pretty good payment, $235 or so, it's going to take you 44 months to pay and 2353 in interest. So I don't know about y'all, but I could do a lot of stuff with $2,300. Um, so I think getting rid of these credit cards, making a very intentional plan of paying those off is going to be essential. Um, so one of the best things, if you have credit cards, stop using them. And Dave Ramsey, I think the first week we have to like go through and cut up credit cards. I don't know if anybody's had that exercise before, like freezing it in a block. I've heard all different kinds of stuff that people have used to be able to stop using credit cards. But it's just a waste of money. Um, it, it's a lot. So and if you do have a credit card, paying it off every month. I mean, I understand from um, a credit score point of view, having credit cards can be beneficial and helping your FICO score, though again, that's anti-Dave Ramsey, but um, just not spending them, not using them. OK, saving for the future. Um, so this is going to be your retirement savings. So this will be a 401k or a 403b if you're in a, a company. 401k is going to be for, a, if you're a W-2 employee, 403b is going to be if you're a nonprofit, like a teacher. Um, those are generally by your company. IRA is going to be an individual retirement account. Um, limits for these change, but I think it's really important to, to go ahead and start contributing to this because compound interest is really powerful. So um, in this example, if somebody were to put $300 a month into their retirement account, every year they increase by 10%. So first year they put $300 a month, next year they put $330 a month and then so on. And then there's a 12% rate of return. Um, this is can be a little bit high, sometimes they say 6% is maybe the average rate. Um, though we're in a bull market right now, meaning it's been very high, but um, regardless. At the end of this, you put in total deposits of 200000 but you're getting 596000 So you've got an interest of $400,000 just by putting in uh, an average amount each month. So really, really powerful. Um, I also like to pull out, um, point out company matches. So if your company matches you on your retirement, that's free money. And so any, if you're I would say if you're in a W-2 situation, if you're an employer that has a 401k, find out if they match and at least put that in. Um, for me personally, I found out what my company matched and then every year on July 1, I went up half a percent. And so I just kind of got used to giving a little bit more every year. And traditional versus Roth, we'll maybe talk about this at the end if we get into it, um, there, Tax savings mechanism: traditional 401k, um, means you get a tax savings now. Roth 401k means that all that interest that you make, so the 390,000, that's all tax-free at the end. So I generally recommend if you're younger in your career to do a Roth 401k, um, otherwise do a traditional. Okay, um, long-term emergency funds. So this is gonna be the three to six months of expenses. Uh, I won't go into it again. It'll be pretty comparable to the emergency fund. Just two tips. Um, immediate drafts when you get paid. So going ahead and having it pulled out so you're not having to actually go in and put take the money and putting it into account actually helps quite a bit. Another one, online savings accounts. So I have my emergency fund with Wells Fargo. So I have my checking account, and then it's linked directly to a savings account. So if I need to pull over money quickly, I can. But for my long-term emergency fund, I have um, and Capital One Three Hundred and Sixty. So it's a only an online account, but the interest rate for Wells Fargo is like zero point oh five cents or percent. I get like a penny a month. Mm-hmm. Um, Capital One though is two point five percent, so I get a lot more with it, um, and that's continuing to go up. So, so online accounts are really good. They do take some time to transfer, which is helpful sometimes if you have um, keeps you from getting into the savings accounts too often Um, but yeah having the online accounts are are good and then next one is getting out of good debt and this is also in the packet it's this debt snowball tracker Um, and really this is if you've heard about the debt snowball it's saying that you're going to take all the different things that you have all the different loans or debt that you have so let's say you have Two credit cards, and you have an auto loan and you have a student loan. Then you would put each of those balances on this sheet and you would say, Okay, I'm going to start paying these down aggressively. I want to get these paid off. There's really two options here. Um, Some people will go by the lowest balance. So they'll say, If I have one that's a thousand, one that's two, one that's three, one that's five, I'm going to start at the one thousand, pay that down. Whatever that payment is, I'm going to start applying it to the two thousand. So, and it's kind of like a, Yay, I paid it off. And so you like, keep the momentum going. Other people do the highest interest rate, saying if I have a, even if it's the 5,000, if I have a 15% rate on that one, I want to pay that down first because that's where all my interest is getting paid right now. So really it's a preference. I I like the hurrah moments. I like, you know, yay, I did it. So I usually do lowest balance um, down, but it really just kind of depends on your preference. But just having a plan, I would say, and then taking those payments and rolling them. That's the premise of the debt snowball is just, taking whatever you had and you were paying towards it and moving it to your next loan so that at the end of it, while you're on your third, fourth loan, your payment's really big. And then, so you might be thinking, okay, this all sounds really great, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Like, how in the world am I supposed to start thinking about emergency funds or um, debt snowballs or anything like that if I can't even, you know, get the, the day to day? So now we're gonna talk about budgeting. Okay, (laughs) So there's two sheets in here. Um, There's a monthly budget, and there's a spending log. Um, And what I generally recommend, and and these are options online. Y'all, there are so many options out there that people have for budgets that you can do for spending logs, for all of these snowballs. Um, I mean, there's a lot of of groups out there that try to um, help you through this process and give great tips. I personally like the ones where it has the budgeted versus spent and then the difference, so you could see it all. Um, But I think the most important part when you're going through this is figuring out what your budgets are going to be. So you would want to start with whatever your income is. So this is going to be net of tax. So whatever your paychecks are, if you are, and I I realize there may be some individuals in here that might have a regular income, which we might um, touch on in the Q&A, but um, assuming you get paid once or twice a month, you know what your income is gonna be from your paychecks, what you're oftentimes going to get. The first step is just gonna be looking at your fixed expenses. These are the ones that are gonna be due no matter what. So rent, presumably, is gonna be due every month. Um, Tithing, we'll assume is gonna be a fixed expense, should be, Um, electricity, maybe your cell phone, student loan, car insurance. So these are ones that they're coming out every month no matter what. Your variable expenses are what you have left over. So those are going to be ones where you might have to fluctuate a little bit. Might be groceries, out to eat, um, savings if you're trying to um, move towards an emergency fund, Um, fun miscellaneous things, you know, having some entertainment if you like to do that, shopping, whatever. But, But really figuring out where your expenses go. So that variable group is really where you have kind of that wiggle room. So you have to start with your income, Fixed. If you have twenty-five dollars in your variable account after your fixed expenses, then you need to start going back up to your fixed and say, "Okay, am I living in a you know five thousand dollar a month apartment? Then I might need to figure something out a little bit different." Mm-hmm. Um, or, car insurance is my car insurance really high? Can I go and take a defensive dri- driver test and get it down twenty-five bucks a month? Yeah. So there's a lot of you know options there within the fixed expenses, but really the variable are where you have to play around with. Any questions on the budget? Like I'm running through everything super fast, but. And so, and on the monthly budget sheet, so once you figure out where you want your budget to go, um, what I would normally recommend is, so your fixed are gonna be pretty much the same every month, but your variable, so let's say you have $120 a month for groceries. Um, The spending log is where you would use that. So if you had groceries at the top that it's 120, you would just put the amount down every month and so you knew what your tracking amount was. Um, I oftentimes, so mine's all electronic. I'm happy to send you all my template if you want it. Um, Mine has it to where it has the amount, and then at the bottom it shows how much I have left. So I have, like, super nerdy financial Fridays where I go in and, like, update (laughs) everything that I've done for the week so I can see how much I have left. Um, so just having that once a week time where I just go in and write it down. Mike, I think you and Chelsea do it by paper, um, so they'll just every you know time they have an expense they'll write it down. So it really is what works for you. I'm in front of a computer for way too many hours a day, and so it's just easy for me to do it there. Um, but if, if you keep all your tracking by paper is easier, you know, it's what works. A couple of um, financial mistakes that. We generally see. So Christmas. So as I, (laughs) slide with mine. Yeah, the chuckles. I I guess other people can relate. Um, Christmas does come every year. Um, Generally, (laughs) part of the Christmas season is having a heart of generosity and giving individuals gifts. Um, But there can be some expenses that come with that. So knowing that Christmas is coming every year, um, as I told you, the story about my sister lending me some money that first year and. You know, she gave me this little piggy bank that had reindeers on it. And she was like, this is where you can save during the year for your Christmas presents. So sure enough, I would, like, put little money in. And then at the end of the year, I had, like, $250. It was awesome. Um, so something like that. Like, planning ahead for future expenses. If you know they're coming, figure, you know, like, try and think of a plan to have that out. If you're in school, planning for tuition, things like that. Starbucks. Um <laughs> Another one, yeah. (laughs) And I'm not saying that you know you need to give up your six dollar and four cent chai tea latte with a shot of espresso. I don't know, Um, like that's that's you. And if you want to put it in your variable expenses, that 170 dollars of your line item is going to be for Starbucks coffee. That's fine, as long as you're making room for it in your budget. So and being aware of it, because it adds up, y'all. I mean, it adds up very quickly. Um, so, I know this is, again, like, kind of anti-Jeffs, like, have a Starbucks, like, connect, and so, still do that, but, uh, okay, but maybe just count. not all the time. And again, like, not here to say, like, kick the Starbucks habit, or, um, maybe, like, living in the middle of the city is really important to you to have a higher rent, because traffic makes you crazy, so you need to be able to walk to work, or, um, Maybe your out-to-eat fund is a lot bigger because we're singles. Like, we go out and connect with people over food. and so. But I'm just saying, don't, like, get a $6 latte, live in the middle of the city, and, you know, go out to eat every night if you make $1,000. So just be wise about these things. And by tracking, you can see, like, where your money goes, where you can start changing your mindset with some of these things. And then balancing. So this is... um, kind of focused on. The first of the month can be kind of tough. Rent usually comes out. There might be some other expenses. So you want to make sure you have some cushion on the back end to cover those front expenses. So just knowing when b- bills are due um, helps you to kind of prepare for those in the future. Mm-hmm. All right, so that was kind of the 12-week course in <laughs> 25 minutes. So I <laughs> know I'm hot too. Um, <laughs> So now we wanted to open it up just to some questions. Um, yeah, go ahead. Can you share your email? Because I was like, I actually created my own, but this is much nifty. Sure, yeah. So I'll um, share my email. I can send the Excel. It's A E P E R R Y, 678 y'all don't laugh, at hotmail.com. Yes, I still have Hotmail. Oh no, It's okay. I get so much junk, but... <laughs> I
1: still have Hotmail.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's um, aeperry678 at hotmail.com. And I can, if people want to come up after, we can both give our contact information. I also have about 35 scriptures on my phone, just of financial disciplines that I'm happy to text to anybody, just about paying off debt. Like, you know, just ones that I have to constantly go back and forth to. And we're happy to share this slide deck, really anything, if you want to see Mike's uh, gummy bears
1: or anything. (laughs)
2: Yeah, so I would say, um, and, and feel free to talk about it, so from a retirement point of view, so I generally think that an IRA is going to be your best bet Is a self-employed individual. So for 401k, you get a limit every year of next year it goes up to 19000 But if you're self-employed, you can actually put up to 50000 in it. And that can be as a deduction against any of your income that you get. So it's kind of helpful Um, to have that IRA. The issue with retirement accounts is you can't pull them out until you're 59 until you're 60, whereas if you put them in sometimes other um, savings accounts, annuities, then you may be able to pull them out sooner. So it's a true, but it's tax savings. There's benefits of it, and you can put it um, into, like, a Fidelity account or um, just another fund that will be able to help you invest it on your behalf.
0: I would say that it's – most important to do these things first. Right. Yeah. Whole, whole life insurance would fall in number seven. Um, and I would say to get multiple opinions on any kind of financial investment that's pitched to you. Um, because there are a lot of different financial advisors out there who have different incentives. So it's hard to know who to trust. So it's always good to get multiple opinions from people you know you trust, maybe inside, outside the church, um, but always get multiple opinions on any kind of thing. Because I would say much more important than having a whole life policy would be doing all these things first, then doing an IRA for you know self employed. Like there's so many other things that I would want to make sure you would have before doing something like that. Mm-hmm. I guess like the thing that was very positive <coughs> about the whole life was that all the money
2: that I put in, I have it there and it's collecting interest. Like there's this one that's a twenty year term. After twenty years I don't have to make put any more money into it and I'm co- I'm collecting interest on it. So I always have it on the back end and it's, it's with one of the uh, like uh state farms.
0: Let's, let's take that one after. Okay. Yeah. okay, we can talk more about it. But yeah, pros and cons, ever, and that's awesome that God's been blessing you. Yeah. Amen, that you're yeah. knocking some of these things out. Yeah. But yeah, once you get to number seven, where you have you know pretty much out of debt, you've got a solid emergency fund, then the, the world of investing is big and can be confusing. So we can talk about some more, but I think it's always good Get multiple opinions from multiple advisors um, because there's there's a lot of things out there.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. I just came from uh, Florida uh, to respond to that sister. I'm very grateful because my degree is I have a bachelor's in finance, but I grew more at church because <laughs> I didn't have those uh, spiritual. Uh, fruits like being generous and my he has addressed a lot of things that really helps you and God gives you more like uh, two years I got sick and I just used my skills and I still got some money to spend and I overcame and overcame cancer because mm-hmm. I use all my skills that I learned from here more so than school mm-hmm. so it's important to put out to practice what the Bible says you know being generous, uh, invested in relationships. All these girls that are invested in, we're talking about from college years, and you know, over 10 years far, all of them helped me out and helped me to be on my feet. So mm-hmm. I'm very grateful that I learned from both ends. Mm-hmm. It's important to invest in your futures, but this <coughs> is a number one. This is your Bible here from one to seven, so thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Gina. And I would I would echo that too. I took I was a finance undergrad, but until I took Financial Peace, I didn't understand the idea of having a personal financial plan. Right. So it's not something that's taught a lot, um, and so that's why it's it's really needed. Yeah. Great comment. Yeah. Evan.
2: Um, how do you make sure? Because I've uh, I've been slacking on Dave Ramsey a lot. Um, how do you make sure that you don't relapse and get comfortable and just like I'm gonna swipe my car and then I give cash I know something cash is a lot harder to get away versus just swiping so how do you make sure that you don't relapse I think it's just like the way that we stay disciples every day I mean you know it's going back to the fundamentals it's understanding the foundation and I think you know it's kind of keeping up with understanding the negative implications so um I, I think just kind of I like kind of really looking at how things are going and, and understanding. I think when you track, it's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I start kind of g- going off gear, you kind you know, like you kind of know when things are maybe a little hazy. And so um, yeah, I, I think it's just that awareness and, and having accountability is always helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, other people, you know, that you are. How's your spending going? I know it's you know it is a, it's a <laughs> it is a discipline. So I think um, having people that can keep you accountable is
0: helpful. I'll say too that a couple of things Chelsea and I do really helps us. One thing I've noticed is that if we don't plan out our meals, a lot of those will end so up at true. Chick-fil-A. And uh, that's just something that happens. So yeah. um, that really helps our, our budget. Yeah. You know, it's just thinking through the week. You know, So we, we uh, weekly plan our weeks and we, we think about every meal. Um, And then the other one is uh, I know that some people have trouble that like they see something they want and then they just buy it. Well, I think if you can just wait, like tell yourself, I'm going to wait three days, and if I still want that thing, I'll buy it. You know, but like if you don't, a lot of times after three days, you're like, ah, maybe I don't want that so much. All right, what else do we got? Sure. Yeah. No, (laughs) (laughs) Ashley, I I think that's a good question for Ashley afterwards, Uh, yeah. Was that, you had the same question or no?
1: No. So I'm glad you brought up
0: generosity and tithing. Um, I think that as Christians, you know, we're a part of a, a mystical experience in religion, one where miracles are, reminded of that scripture where I think David said I was young but now I'm old (laughs) but I've never seen the righteous what's the word? (laughs) 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 And I think we forget what happens when we tithe Mm -hmm. especially when we don't have enough because a lot of us have either been there or we are there and I've seen these examples in in the lives of people that I'm close to and I bet you have too and so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us are always at the point where do I have enough money to tithe? Mm-hmm. And so my question is, could either of you two give your conviction or your experiences on this topic? Man, so great question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I almost shared this in the in our lesson, but um, didn't. So it's been an interesting year for that for, from for us. We, um, I so I. I graduated from grad school. I got a job here, and it pays a lot, which is awesome, right? And so when we first moved here, I was like, "All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna tithe a lot," and we were tithing about twenty three percent or so, which still left us, you know, doing some of these other things. And then there was um, we had a lot of stuff last year. As Jeff said earlier, like twenty eighteen, it was a mixed bag for us financially, and our emergency fund got just punished um, with some medical. We also bought a house um, and had some stuff there, so we we had a. I was feeling so stressed this year, and. I realized that part of that was because I felt like we couldn't get any traction in our emergency fund. And it stressed me out every single month because I would, we'd plan to have something and then something would come up and we'd just get, we'd end up the same. And we ended up almost with nothing in our emergency fund. And uh, so, yeah, we had to have a conversation um, uh, a couple weeks ago, or about actually a couple months ago. We had another one a couple weeks ago. But yeah, we had to see like okay, when we first moved here, that was a good tie them out for us. But right now, we really need to, you know, tone it back a little bit so that we can, you know, keep keep our foundation solid. So we actually pulled it back a little bit, which was like it was hard for me to do from a like how I think of myself spiritually perspective. <laughs> Like, I took a lot of pride in, like, well, we give 23%, you know? <laughs> like, but, we were, but we were, like, getting into a pretty dangerous yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it took, it's kind of a heart check, like, where is our security? Yeah. And, like, it's, it's okay to have it fluctuate over time. Like, doesn't have to, like there's different seasons where you're going to be able to give more. And I think the goal of this is that one. so I went to, I went to Duke, so number six is going to take a while, you know. So we have some student loans, right? But once we're out of that, I mean, we're going bl- to blow the door off, right, with giving. But right now, we got to turn it back a little bit, be wise. So it's kind of, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Israelites gave a lot. They actually gave way more than 10%. They gave multiple tithes. So they gave 20% every year, and every third year they gave a third tithe, which went for the foreigners and the aliens passing through their land. So they gave a lot, right? In the New Testament, we see a lot of generosity between the churches. Just this idea that if you have a need, I'm going to take care of it. And so that's, I think, that's my conviction, is we have our time, sure, but we also we want to take care of the needs as they come up. So that that's what I think the heart of this get, gets at is, you know, obviously we want to give to support the church, but there's also so many other needs that come up that will just come up time to time. So I appreciate the question. Yeah, good thought. One more. We got one more. Let's go right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Denise. <laughs> Denise.
1: I'm going to Right. I wasn't that right because I got to pay this rent. Right. I appreciate you being honest. My question is to you. You say pay cash.
2: Will debit be considered cash? Yeah, debit would be considered cash, though I would say. If the true Dave Ramsey principle, I w- like it's literal cash, like going the first of the month and pulling it out because uh, I think as Ebony have mentioned, that giving the cash over, seeing like how much it actually costs to pay those grocers or pay that bill, I mean, there's something uh, mental. mental that comes with it. And seeing that envelope go down is okay. helpful. Can I ask one more question? Mm-hmm. You said um, to raise your, because my job matches. Okay, perfect, yeah, that's great. But raise anything because I
1: assume they do it for me. No. So I call them and say, can you, oh. Yeah, so generally,
2: um, wherever you're investing, wherever your 401k is on your company's website, um, some of them, like mine does have an automatic option where I say every year go by a certain percentage. But oftentimes you do have to go in and say, okay, I want to go from my company matches to six, I want to go to seven. So you can just every year or however often you can go in and adjust the percentage that you okay. want taken out. All right, well, thank you all um, for being part of our class. We can journey on into financial freedom.
0: What's next?